Thank you for listening to the Cross Loganville podcast as we continue in our series, 29, the book of Acts. Father, we pause to, to celebrate your goodness and faithfulness in spite of whatever evil man may try to do. You're good, you're sovereign, and you're in control. Father, we pause right now to think of all those lives that were impacted. So many died. So many were wounded. So many were scarred and marred for life. Lord, and there's a lot of families in New York and around that area, even today, D.C., with a plane going down in Pennsylvania. There were so many things that happened that day. Lord, there's so many families that were impacted. Would you minister to those families today? Lord, would you remind us, each of us in this room right now, of how desperate we are and how dependent we should be on you 24-7, 365. Father, we need you. It is easy for us to drift. It is easy for us to forget. It is easy for us to become complacent. And I pray that there would be even a spirit of revival in this room this morning. I pray that the Holy Spirit would be released in a fresh way. I pray that our hearts would be open and spontaneously that we would obey whatever you show us in our lives today. So we desperately need you. And we ask you to minister like only you can for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. If you're visiting with us today, we're so glad to have you as a guest. The easiest way to kind of access who we are is to get on our website, thecrossloganville.org. And so you will find there a connect card. There's many other pieces of information, previous sermons. You can access all of that, the Give app. So many things are on the startup page of uh, our website. So please take advantage of that. If you're visiting, we've been going through the book of Acts and uh, the book of Acts is a very powerful narrative of what the Holy Spirit did. Uh, kind of the linchpin, if you will, or uh, the pillar verse would be Acts 1-8, where Jesus has promised that I am going to pour out my Holy Spirit on you. And as a result of the Holy Spirit occupying your heart and your will, you're going to be my witnesses. And he tells the disciples, you're going to go from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the remotest parts of the earth. We've called our series 29, which implies that God is desiring to write a new story today through people just like you and I, a story that's never been written as we press in to the Lord. And even as Kara was baptizing those girls and seeing my little buddy uh, Gavin be baptized today, I was just sitting there thinking, God is writing new stories for his glory and for the good of others, God is writing new stories through people that are responding to the gospel. I pray your hearts would be open. Acts chapter 20, I'm going to begin in verse 19 today. And Paul is saying a goodbye, if you will. And there's a lot of good in his goodbye. But he's speaking to the elders, the leadership of the church of Ephesus. And we read this. Paul says, I've done the Lord's work humbly, and with many tears. I have endured trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I never backed down. 
I have had one message this whole time to you, whether it was in public, whether it was in your homes, I've shared the same message with Jews and Greeks alike. The necessity of repenting of sin, turning to God and having faith in our Lord Jesus. He goes on to say, now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me that in every city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work God assigned to me. The work of sharing Christ is what he's talking about. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. I declare that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, rejecting the gospel it's not my fault for i did not back down from declaring all that god wants you to know now i'm going to share with you five principal statements that paul makes as he says his farewell and goodbye to the elders in ephesus paul has been on multiple missionary trips if you will churches are being planted he's been in corinth he's been in athens he's been in different parts of greece uh he has spent time in ephesus and paul has taken the gospel and there's been many years of his life invested in the sharing of the gospel five principles i want you to consider in your own life today the first thought that paul lays out to us if you will as he meets with these uh church elders is this one I was faithful to the Lord. I have been faithful to the Lord. And what he is basically saying, if you take verses 19 and 24, he's basically saying, uh, I was committed to do exactly what God called me to do. In spite of being beaten, in spite of rejection, in spite of all the persecution that I've been through, I stayed faithful to the Lord. And I think that should be the deepest desire inside of all of our hearts, right? Is that yours? Man, I just want to be faithful to the Lord. No matter what the circumstances, no matter what the opposition, no matter what comes my way, when I lay my head on the pillow at, at, at every night, I want to lay my head down and say, Lord, I was faithful to you today. I think that should be the cry of each and every one of us, right? We know that life is hard. We know that life is flooded with challenges. We know that in this world, Jesus promised that we were going to have trouble and face all types of adversity. But we have to stop and go, what has God called me to do? What are the assignments that God has placed before me? Am I being responsible and am I being faithful to the Lord with whatever God has called me to do? Shortly after I got saved, I started to cry out to the Lord, I want to know you. And I started praying Philippians 3.10, where Paul echoes there to the believers in Philippi. He says, hey man, I just want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to be conformed even into the likeness of his death. And if you pray a prayer such as that, what you're saying is, I'm willing to step into suffering and pain and rejection and turmoil, but I really want to be conformed to Christ. And even Romans 8, 29 would say, to those he foreknew, he also predestined us that we would be conformed 
to Christ. And I began to pray that. And I remember writing this out shortly after I got saved. I felt like the Lord said, Tim, here's what I want you to focus on. I want you to get up every day and press into me. I, I want you to grow up, Tim. I want you to mature. I want you to leave the elementary teachings behind. You can't suck milk all your life. I want you to get into the meat of the word. I want you to get up, and I want you to grow up, and I want you to show up every day to be the best version of who I, I've created you to be. And Tim, I want you to know what's up. I want you to pay attention of what's happening around you and other people's lives. Tim, I want you to be present. I remember writing that out, like, wherever you're at, be there. Barb's heard that a million times from me. But I'm like, where am I? Just be where I'm at today. And then the Lord said, preach the word. Just preach the word wherever you're at. And I'm like, man, I want to be responsible, Lord. And I pray that that's the echoing cry of your heart, that, Lord, I just want to be faithful to you. And you may feel like it's your job to save the world. And you may feel like it's your job to rescue every person in your life. And you may feel like it is your responsibility to raise perfect kids. But if that's you, I promise you, you're on a course of exhaustion and fatigue and it's not going to work out for you. I know so many people that feel like they're to carry the weight of the world on their shoulders, and when somebody jacks something up or messes something up, they have all this guilt and shame and pain in their lives. There's only one person that can save, and it's not me, and it's not you. And I see so many people shouldering the weight of the world, and again, they just live exhausted lives. But the flip side of this is there's so many people that attend church that call themselves Christians that they never even consider that God has given them assignments and responsibilities to advance his kingdom. And so they sit there and they, they do nothing. They don't give and they don't love and they don't share and they don't do anything. And their attitude is almost like, you know, God save me. I'm not going to hell. All is good. That's a bad place to be. Paul would write to the believers in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 4, and he would say this, starting in verse 1. He says, we're servants of Christ, and we are stewards of the mysteries of God. It is required that a steward and servant be found trustworthy. What he's saying there is a servant is not in charge. There's somebody else in charge. It's not you. It's not me. There's only one master, and the master calls the shots. The master is Jesus. Does he have the final voice in your life? All he's asking us to do every day is, Tim, I want you to steward the responsibilities before you. Whatever person you meet, I want you to steward these responsibilities. And you have that opportunity every day. When Joe and Jen moved in across the street, I remember walking over one day and just starting conversation with them. And we talked, and I met little Gavin at the time. It's been about four or five years ago. And we started talking, and I said, hey, man, if you guys are not involved in church, if you don't go anywhere, I would love to invite you to the Cross Loganville. I know the pastor pretty well, and he would really like to have y'all visit there. And you know what? They started coming, and they've been coming. And as a result, they got to see their little dude 
as a result, man, of some things kind of getting awakened inside of him when their pet died. And I mean, he was heartbroken. He started thinking about this death piece. And he had questions. And he talked to his mom and dad. And a couple weeks ago, after a service, he in the lobby outside there, he said, hey, uh, Joe and Jen said, Gavin wants to talk to you. And he goes, I want to be baptized. And I remember Dustin looking at him going, why do you want to be baptized? He said, because I've asked Jesus to take over my life. You, you never know on any given day what conversation you're going to have. But we are required by God, just be responsible, just be faithful, just steward, just manage where I've got you today. And I started asking questions years ago, where am I most useful? Where can I be best used by God? Where am I most beneficial for the kingdom? Where does God want me to be? And at the end of the day, he's like, hey, man, wherever you're at, just be faithful. Paul would say, hey, I was faithful. I stayed with it. The second thing he would say is this. I shared the truth. He said, I had one message, whether it was in your home, whether it was in public, whether it was with the Jews, whether it was with the Greeks, Gentiles. I just had one message, and I just shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel? Maybe you haven't been around church that much. Maybe you're new, if you will. What is the gospel? The gospel really is good news, but I can tell you the gospel is bad news before it's good news. And you go, how did you land there? Because the gospel reveals to each and every one of us that we've rebelled against God. And as a result of that rebellion, each and every one of us are born into the world, and we deserve wrath and judgment because of our sin. Even Ephesians 2 would say, you were born into the world dead in your sin. You were born depraved. You were born sick. Your heart is wicked. You are helpless. You are hopeless. And you can't do anything to change your condition. That's part of the gospel. It is the realization that I am lost and I can't change myself. But the good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And Jesus Christ did for us what we could never do for ourselves. He took the wrath and judgment of God on the cross. And it is so powerful to think that if we will humble ourselves before this holy God, Russell, I've got to humble myself and I've got to be willing to say, God, I deserve hell. That's what I deserve. But you made him who knew no sin to become sin so that I could become the righteousness of God. And when I received the grace of the gospel, meaning the hope of the gospel, the salvation of God, and when I'm willing to repent and receive Jesus personally, I get saved. That's what happened. And I can tell you, after all these years of walking with the Lord, and being able to share the gospel throughout the U.S. and in Korea and in Thailand, Venezuela, other places that God has allowed me to go. I, I'm so excited that I get to present truth like Paul would say. But I come to the conclusion over the years that I'm not responsible for how you respond to it. I'm responsible to be faithful in sharing it. I'm responsible to share Christ and hopefully sharing it in a way 
that you would understand it, Jeff. I'm not responsible that you like it. I'm not responsible that you believe it. I'm just responsible to share it. Because unless the Holy Spirit does a work and you're really sensitive to the Holy Spirit, I can't change you. I remember when our friend Michelle and Derek drifted out of here and I read certain things that my dear friend got started getting involved in and my heart was breaking for her and it was breaking for Derek but when they started showing back up my heart was warmed I'm like there's Michelle she used to live in Noonan where I lived and she's got some Noonan roots with me and she started coming here and she started opening her heart to the gospel and I saw God start to bring about restoration where there had been confusion. And God started bringing about clarity where there had been all this chaos. I'm watching Kara baptize her today. I'm like, thank God she embraced the truth. Because reality is we're dead. We're depraved. We're sick. We're hopeless. And we need the gospel. And that might not be a popular message in today's society, but I'm here to proclaim to you, it is truth. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And it might not be popular, and it might not be applauded. If you go back some 2,000 years ago, as Paul continued to proclaim the gospel, he could not persuade every person to respond there were people there that never converted to Christ, but Paul was faithful. And I would encourage you today, based on the sphere of influence that you have, whether it's friends, whether it's family, whether it's co-workers, whether it's neighbors, share the gospel. Share truth and love. I'm not responsible for what you do with it, but I am responsible for sharing it. Paul would go on to write here in Acts 20. And I take this to heart big time. He would write, so guard yourselves with God's people. Who's he talking to? Leadership, elders. Hey, guard yourself, Tim. Guard God's people around you. Feed and shepherd God's flock. As his church, he purchased it with his own blood over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you, Tim, and Steve, and Dustin, and Nick, and Rick, and He's appointed you guys as leaders over his church, his blood-bought, redeemed body. I, I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you. After I leave, Paul says they're going to come in and they're not going to spare the flock. Even some men from your own fellowship and group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Test the spirits. Pay attention to what's going on, he says. And then he says, remember the three years I was with you? Remember my constant watch and care over you night and day? Remember my many tears for you? I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of our Lord Jesus who said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Third principle I would share with you, Paul says, I was faithful, I told the truth. But he declares, I pointed you to Jesus. I didn't point you to me. I didn't point you to my ministry. I pointed you to Christ and Christ 
alone. I wanted your affection to be, I wanted your allegiance to be, I wanted your attention to be on Jesus, not on me. I can't save you. I can't fix you. You don't need me. I'm just one of many servants that you will meet over the years. I wanted your affection to be on Christ and Christ alone. He uses words here where he says, I was with you in tears. My constant care for you. When you read words like that, you conclude, Dean, man, this is a heartfelt cry. He was hurting for others. He was weeping. He was longing to see every person he would share the gospel with. Get it. I want you to get it, Heather. I want you to know it, Cindy. He knew that people that rejected the gospel would spend eternity in hell. And Paul is weeping. Oh, God, I want him to get it. And God uses heartache and God uses tears to humble us so that we depend on him. God, I got to have you. Lord, I, I, I can't do it in my own strength. And I remember weeping and hurting. God, I don't know. I don't know how to get this person to see it. And it was about four years ago, my daughter that I love so much, I remember one time she said, Dad, you're, you're, not, you're not saying anything. And I would send scripture and I would send thoughts. And, I, and Dad, you're not, you're not saying anything. And I'm like, no, I'm not. But because I've spent 25 years talking to you about God, and the Lord has broke me and said that I now need to just spend my time talking to God about you. I can't change you. I can't fix you. I can't solve the dilemma inside your soul. I can't do it. I had a friend this week call me whose son is an addiction. And he was like, man, I sat down with him the other day and I was breaking down this verse and I was sharing this and I was sharing that and man, I was sharing all this with my son. What, what do you think? I said, let me tell you what God hit me with four years ago. Man, just spend time talking to me about your daughter. Quit trying to fix her. Trust her to me. Believe that I'm good. Believe that I save. Believe that I rescue. Believe that I restore. And I can tell you, over the years, watching Barb weep for people, it's like, God, my heart breaks. I don't want them to reject you any longer, but I can't, can't save them. And what Paul says here, Drew, is I pointed you to Jesus. I, I pointed you to Christ. I, I wanted you to know him. I wouldn't let you plug into me because I'm about to leave. I, I just pointed you to Christ. And Steve, I think when we get there, brother, it's like, what'd you do? I just pointed you to Jesus. That's all. I just shared one message. I just kept preaching Jesus. I'm like, is that your heart cry? Is that really the cry of your heart? Paul would go on to say, principle four, hey guys, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm about to head to Jerusalem, but I have finished my 
assignment. Hey, this class is over. I know I've turned my assignment in. This class is over. I'm about to go to another class. I have finished my assignment. And all I know is that the Holy Spirit has continued to testify in my spirit that I'm going to be beaten, mistreated, and thrown in prison. The only thing I know is I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to stay faithful to the Lord. But it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. Verses 24 and even 35, he says, my life is worth nothing to me. My, my life is not worth anything to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. My life is being spilled out before God. It's being poured out as a drink offering. He would say later, I, I'm just here to tell you about the work of the Holy Spirit and what he can do. I'm here just to share with you the good news and the wonderful grace of God. That, that's all I got. That's all I got. And I think what Paul is saying is, hey guys, I just want to finish well. Whatever assignment God gives me, I just want to finish well. I, I want to run through the tape. I want to finish this game that I'm in, this game of life. That's why Paul would even write, do you not know that those who run in a race, they all run, but only one gets the prize? Run the race in such a way that you can win it. I mean, by God's glorious grace, he rescued me in October of 1985. It's been some 37 years now of getting to walk with Jesus, and I can promise you over these 37 years, Barb and I knocking on the door of 32 years of marriage, I can promise you that what we've even seen together and what I've seen is I've met so many people that started well but didn't struggle well and didn't finish well. I've seen people, man, come out of the gate excited and then drift, going right back into the world, living a life of ruin and sin. And let me have a little fun with you for a second. I was telling Nick, I was like, think about it. They're like one-hit wonders. They appear on the chart with one song, and then they're gone. So Wild Cherry bust on the scene with some bass and play that funky music white boy. <laughs> that was a one-hit wonder. What happened after that? Tony Basil comes out with one song. They still play that song today. I picked these songs. My generation, you can tell where I came from, right? But they were one-hit wonders. Norman Greenbaum, Spirit in the Sky has been played on movies and everything else you can imagine. Some people even tell me, even younger generation, I know, I, I know that one. Tell me one other song he had. Tell me if he was able to repeat like you two or like the Beatles. Oh. So Tommy Two-Tone comes out with Jenny, Jenny, who can I turn to? Right? You give me something I can hold on to. And people in Winder, Georgia had 867 as a prefix. 
Could you imagine whoever had 8675309, how many random bogus calls they got? We laugh. We hear these songs, at least I do. And I was telling Nick the other day, I was like, I've met so many believers that were one-hit wonders. They come out of the gate, they're excited, but then they fade and they check out and they don't stay with it and they never finish. And Paul would even write to the believers, believers in Galatia where he says, man, you were running so well. What has hindered you? I wrote down three things that can sabotage you and keep you from finishing well. The first thing I would tell you is a lot of people that I've noticed over the years, they don't finish well because they get hurt. They get hurt. The people you're ministering to oftentimes will, they will hurt you. Jesus had a Judas in his life. Sometimes the people that you serve the greatest will betray you the most. And I can promise you if you're considering stepping into ministry or leading a small group, let me just go ahead and tell you, you will get hurt. Paul knew this. He had been beaten. He had been betrayed. He had been rejected by many of his own fellow countrymen. And I promise you, when you sign up to say, I'm going all in with Jesus, you're going to be attacked and you will want to quit. And if your resolve is not established firmly in the Lord Jesus Christ, I've seen so many people throw the towel in because, man, I've, I've just been hurt too much. Another reason is people get tired. I've heard that phrase over the years. Well, that brother, man, the reason he stepped out of ministry is he was experiencing burnout. I'm like, if you start doing ministry and you're functioning out of who you are in people and not who you are in Christ, and if you will... If your assignment in life is to be a firefighter thinking that every time somebody calls, you're supposed to run over and do some firefighting ministry, let me tell you something. You are on a path of fatigue and exhaustion, and you will absolutely become toast. And I've seen so many over the years. It's like, what happened there? Oh, man, I just got... I, 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 got, I got tired because, man, I felt like I was supposed to be all things to all people. And, and I was running in a million different directions, I can tell you. It can be tiring. Even when you stand and preach and even when you sit down and counsel with people, my brother, you know it can be tiring because you sit there sometimes and you're like, are they even listening? Do they even have a real desire to get it? And, 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 and the one thing I can tell you that you've got to keep in the forefront of who you are, and I believe this was a driving force for the Apostle Paul, he understood the gospel. He understood the gospel where people were quitting because they got hurt or people were throwing in the towel because they were tired. He remembered the gospel, that the life of the one he was following named Jesus Christ his ministry ended in betrayal and sorrow and death. He goes, that's a given. But he also knew that there was the glorious hope of the resurrection, and that was not the end of the story. And I think a lot of times we think, well, look at how it ended for Jesus. No, it, it didn't end on the cross. 
On the third day, he is raised. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's alive. We serve a risen Christ. And Paul understood, if you will, the rest of the story. And we've got to keep that in front of us. I think for a lot of people, they get involved in ministry, they get involved in serving. I used to be in a church, and then I got hurt. Or I used to be in a church, and I used to serve, but... And I think for a lot of people, they lose focus. Different things start pulling at our hearts and where... Fellowshipping with other believers was absolutely a non-negotiable. All of a sudden, things start to pull at our heart, and we go, you know, I don't got to where I like comfort and convenience a little too much. I'm not going to be there today. Back to I've got grass to cut and laundry to fold, and I've got other things to do. I'm not going to be there today. So we become the king of excuses, right? And for other people, if they get gut level honest, I, I, I want to follow Jesus, but man, I am a pleasure junkie. And I'm always looking for the next fix, if you will, at the beach or the lake or in the mountains or wherever it is. We've got too many things going on, brother. I would be there, but... Or I want to follow Jesus, but man, I'm really into fame and popularity and notoriety and money. And I want to follow Jesus, but... And I've seen some of my brothers over the years that started well. Man, I just want to honor God. But all of a sudden, they write a book, and the book starts getting some notoriety. And all of a sudden, they get on these book tours. These are evangelicals. And they're out signing their books, and they're starting to make money off of their books. And it was like, I thought you started just to share Christ. I did, but God's opened up this door. Well, that door's about your fame and about your... And I would say, you know, some of you sitting in here, you're like, man, I want, I, I want to go all in. I want to stay with it. Paul would even write to the believers in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 15, and he says, hey, let me encourage you with something. Be steadfast. Be immovable. Work enthusiastically as if you're just working for the Lord because you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Hey, you may think that serving in the kids' ministry is not a big deal, but it's, but it's a big deal. What you're able to do in there, Cindy, and what you're able to do in there, Rick and Kara with those younger kids, and what you're able to do when you're starting to invest in a life how do you know how that life's going to turn out? When Tyler starts going to KOZ and he's starting to hang out with men and he needs men in his life, it's like, I'm just out there fishing with these kids and hanging out with these kids. John Mark, you never know the impact that you're going to have on one life. You tell me what price tag you're willing to put on one soul. The men that invested in me, those brothers that invested in me, that prayed for me, that stood with me, I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Now, if, if you're really like going to stay committed to the Lord and if you're going to finish the assignment, I, I can tell you this. I had to make some resolves years ago. I had to make some resolves. Like if I'm really going to go with the Lord and if I'm really going to just stay tapped into him, one of the resolves I made was this. I don't need, don't hear me wrong, I don't need your approval. 
Galatians 1.10, when Paul writes there, he says, am I seeking the approval of man or am I seeking the approval of God? If I was seeking man's approval, I couldn't be God's servant. I could not be God's servant if I was seeking man's approval. And I think a lot of times people fall into that trap, but I had to come to the realization, if God is for me, who can really be against me? Another resolve I had to make was this, I must refuse to empower money. And I've seen this over the years. So many guys in ministry oftentimes make decisions based on who's writing the larger checks. It's like, man, if you sell principal for money, you're going to become bankrupt. Principal, the gospel, I've got to stay centered on it. What, what do you know about that? I know that my God says I will supply everything you need. He didn't say he would give me everything I want, but he said I'm going to supply everything you need. I've had to come to realize that earthly pleasure does not satisfy, even though it might give a temporary buzz to me. Even the psalmist would say, in the presence of the Lord, there is joy unspeakable, and his pleasures are forever. The more you rest in the goodness of God and you find the joy of the Lord to be enough for you there, you're going to say, it's unspeakable. I can't even express it. The pleasures of God are so much better than anything the world has to offer. So you go, so how do I finish well? What do I need to do to finish well? Here's what you got to do. Very complicated, very complex answer. You ready? I want to finish well. Then take the next step of faith and obedience to God. Just one step, not one day, not one week, not one month. I want to finish well. Then take the next step saying I'm going to be faithful to the Lord. Then after you take that step, guess what you do? Taking another step, Lord. And then take another step. It's a marathon. Stay with it. Just stay faithful today. Tell the truth. Don't get all hung up. Finish this assignment. Let's go. Finish you with this one. Last point. He goes, I was committed to giving, not taking. That's what he says. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's more blessed to give than it is to take. I, I was pondering this, that the night before Jesus was crucified, Jesus was the master of giving and serving. The night before Jesus is crucified, he gets on his knees and he washes the disciples' feet. I'm reading that thinking, if I'm dying tomorrow, I'm rallying Barb and everybody together saying, hey, y'all need to bless me and serve me because I'm about to check out. I think that way pretty much every day anyway. You need to bless me and serve me, girl. My girl. But you... You hear what I'm saying? I think a, a lot of times we look going, how can I be served? How can I, how can I benefit? And if we're going to live the life of the gospel out, we have to come to the place where we go, it's all about serving. If you start to look at the relationships that you even have right now, do you give more or do you take more? Whether it's marriage, whether it's friendship, whether it's here at the church, do you serve more or do you expect to be served? One of the fallacies that I've heard over the years is people go, well, 
The reason we left is our needs were not being met. To which I always respond and remind me of whose needs you were meeting. If you're not here to serve and if you're only here to take, it's going to be a very frustrating journey for you. You start to look at the relationships that you have, and then you start to look at the stuff. Like, I got my stuff, my cars, my house, my stuff. Whose stuff is it? And and you've got to ask the question, do I leverage this stuff to advance the kingdom of God? Am I utilizing what God has allowed me to have? Do I use that? I mean, God has given us careers, and God has given us jobs and platforms that are to be leveraged for the advancement of the gospel. It doesn't matter what we do. Whatever it is, it should be for advancing the Great Commission. And true disciples, true disciples, true disciples of Jesus want to give more. Because true disciples believe that more money and more wealth should increase our standard of giving, not our standard of living. The heartbeat of heaven is, as God blesses us with more, it should do something inside of us where it says, I just want to, incru- I want to increase my standard of giving. I want to give more. I want to serve more. I want to bless more. One of the crazy things we do here at the Cross Loganville is we challenge people to enter into a hundred-day giving challenge. People that say, I, I, I'm not a, a steward or I'm not a tither and I, I, don't, I don't do it faithfully. I'm more random at best. We, we challenge you to step into a hundred-day giving challenge with the Lord. In Malachi 3, he says, should people cheat God? But you ask, when did we ever cheat you, Lord? He goes, you cheated me of the tithes and offerings. You're under a curse which means you want me to bless you when you're under a curse, when you're robbing me. You're under a curse. The whole nation is cheating me. Bring the whole tithe, one-tenth, to the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me. This is the only time God says, test me in this. See if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing for you until it overflows. So we challenge people to say, hey, we challenge you to step into this 100-day giving challenge. And your part is this. By God's grace, you will give 10% over the next 100 days just in obedience to the Lord saying, I'm going to tithe. I'm going to give to the Lord. I'm going to do that. God's part is to honor what he says in Malachi 3.10. See if I will not open up the floodgates. See if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you. It's not talking about a get-rich-quick scheme. This is not this. He's like, see if I am not faithful in being God to take care of your needs. Now, the crazy thing that we challenge people with is this. After 100 days, if God has not been faithful, and if God has not taken care of your needs, not your wants, your needs, if God hasn't been faithful to you, we will write you a check for everything you've given because we believe God wants you to trust him. And we believe it's better to give than it is to receive. 
And we believe that God is going to dump out on you blessings that you can't even comprehend if your heart is yielded to him. And we believe that the sign of the saved is that they live a life of generosity. And we believe that generosity is the greatest statement that we have in regards to our witness to a lost and dying world. We believe that. Do you? We believe we believe that we can test God in this area. So here would be my question. Are you faithful? Do you share the truth? Are you fulfilling the assignments that God's given to you? Are you weeping and hurting over the lost? Where are you at? Here's my clothes. And I've thought about that. Those principles right there, even so much over the last few days. My prayer is this. My prayer is that when I die and they have some celebration of life for me. My prayer is whether it's Barb speaking or Rachel speaking or Benji speaking or any of my other kids speaking, Caleb, Hannah, Jesse, whether it's Nick speaking, whether it's one of you. This is my prayer. As people stand, there's not going to be a casket because it costs too much and I'm going to the cremation. Okay. <laughs> Giving more money to them. But my prayer is that people would say, Tim Cash, he was faithful to the Lord. I do was faithful. Tim Cash, man, he shared the truth and love. Man, that dude shared the gospel. Yeah, he, he shared it. He, he, he was all about pointing people to Jesus. That's, that's what he tried to do. He tried to point people to Jesus. Yeah. He, uh, he finished strong. He didn't, he didn't check out. He kept going. He, uh, he finished strong. And he, uh, he served and he gave to the glory of God. Jack, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with whatever somebody else would say, Kara, like... I love watching you do baptism. You fired me up today. But I'm like, my goodness. But I would want that said about my life, wouldn't you? But I, want it, I would want it to be the true narrative of my life, not some fabricated story of my life. But if I really want that said about me, then I've got to step into it. And you've got to step into it. And you're going to have to repent and receive Christ and allow him to call the shots and allow him to be the Lord of your life. You're going to have to step into it. And you're going to have to get right with God. You're going to have to. But man, I wouldn't trade these last 37 years of walking with Jesus. I cannot believe that God in his kindness and goodness would grace me right before I turned 23 years old and show me him and invite me to walk with him. I'm like, what a journey. Let's pray.